Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ooh, you didn't tell me you were a brainiac. Welcome, welcome, welcome into Leather Brains, your host here, Slap Dog, today, November 6th, almost the end of week nine, meaning halfway through the NFL regular season. Very, very sad. Very sad. But you know what? We're going to embrace it here today at Leather Brains. We are going to enjoy the remaining time that we have in week nine and the NFL season. And I'm going to do it today with two of my very good friends, Alan Casanova Castro and Scotty Del Rey. Gentlemen, happy Monday to you. Mm, Monday. Everybody <laughs> loves Mondays. Not, no, not Daylight Savings Mondays. Today sucked. You got the to sleep all later. off. Not really. Dude, I have An two hour. kids. They don't well, know what time it is. Their bodies are just like, we're up, we're doing things. And it's like, why? For crops? For like <laughs> farmers? Why, why am I doing this again? And some states don't crops. even do it. No, like, that's I, why I, that's why daylight savings is a thing, though. I'm pretty sure it's because of farmers. Yeah, but yeah. they have lights and GPS. They could do that blind. Like, what? No, I'm, it was an olden time thing, and I think it's just kind of carried. That should be something I think we should start just kind of looking more into. I thought they were into. getting rid of it. So, I thought yeah. that was a last year thing. They were getting rid of it. In my previous life, when I worked in politics, um, you would be amazed the just volume of constituents who that was their only issue. They would call the office every single day, <laughs> bitching about daylight savings that would be time me. all the time. Yeah, it, it's people. People hate it. People really do hate it. I I like it when it's this time because I do get an extra hour of sleep. But in the spring, that's when I hate yeah. it. It's why a are we doing this? I don't. I don't know. This? I don't know. It's dumb. It, it's I think dumb. it's because of farmers, but I'm not. I Save don't the daylight, had, bro. So we had daylight savings, and then we had an early game in Europe, and it was just like chaos the rest of the day. Yeah. No, that that was. Um, it was it was hard to wake up. I'm tired of these Europe games. I'm going to be honest with you, gentlemen. I am <laughs> sick and tired of these Europe games because it forces me to get up even earlier than I would rather uh, do otherwise. So. It really stresses I, me out for fantasy because I'll be like, oh, I can set my lineups in the morning and then, oh, shit, it's 7 a.m. and I got to get this shit done immediately. Well, and that's what that's one thing I don't think the NFL is really thinking about is us fantasy players when they're when they're sending all these teams over to Germany or, you know, whatever overseas game they're going to play at. 
they're not thinking about us as fantasy players and really we're the core of their fan base and they need to make sure they're appeasing us and they're not with this this whole thing so it's very frustrating um i'm done with the overseas games if they want to watch i'm all for it you can you know the the germans can record the game and watch it and support it from afar but stop sending the players over there because it makes me get up earlier to watch them and it also screws up my lineup so i agree with you scotty today in today's episode welcome in this is episode 144. That's insane to say, but we have a lot to talk about, boys. We are going to talk about C.J. Stroud, baby. He is him. What a game. We're going to be talking about the Vikings and the Falcons. There's a lot of conversational pieces there that definitely need to be discussed, as well as are the Bengals back and so many other narratives. We're going to be playing or uh, providing you waiver wire targets this week. And Brainbuster. So if anybody has any questions, go over to our YouTube channel, submit them in the comments, and we will answer them live at the end of the show. Scotty, take us away with the MVP of the week, my friend. Yeah, the MVP, Leatherbrain's MVP of the week, which, by the way, is brought to you by Prime Society Luxury Leather Bags, Backpacks, and Accessories. You alluded to them a little bit ago, but you need to join athletes like Tyreek Hill and Clay Thompson by checking out PrimeSociety.com and shopping their luxury bags, luggage, and accessories. Whether you're looking for the perfect high-quality gift that won't break the bank, Christmas is coming up, or you want to turn heads with the swagger of a pro athlete, Prime Society is the answer. Your fantasy MVP helped you secure the bag in your league, so make sure you secure the bag with Prime Society. Use promo code LBZ20 to get 20% off your order today at primesociety.com. Again, LBZ20 to get 20% off today. And your Leather Brain's MVP of the week is, of course, CJ Stroud. 41.8 fantasy points. He went 30 for 42, 470 yards, five touchdowns, and a couple other interesting stats. I think Schefter put these out today. He had 147.8 passer rating, which is the highest of a rookie quarterback in NFL history. 470 yards passing is the most by a rookie quarterback in NFL history. He's the youngest player ever with at least 450 passing yards, and he's the sixth player in NFL history with 450 passing yards, five touchdowns, and no interceptions in a single game what a day for cj stroud golly man did you guys get the opportunity to watch this game because it was electric it was so fun it i have i've never seen a rookie quarterback just and this sounds really silly to say it this way but just flow so well like it everything he was doing was impressive it was right on the money and he looked incredible. I mean, obviously, with a stat line like that, you're not going to be trash, of course. But I was really impressed with this kid. I think he certainly his uh, welcome to the uh, rookie rookie offensive player of the year conversation. CJ oh, yeah. Stroud. I mean, he's oh, quarterback yeah. seven on the year for fantasy football. He looked great, man. And and the other thing too that I just briefly want to touch on here. Obviously, CJ Stroud is deserving of MVP of the week, but. <laughs> Can we not give any sort of accolades to D'Amico Ryan here, the the head coach for the Texans? Because nobody expected the Texans to do anything this year, myself included. And the Texans, I'm not saying they're they're a playoff contending team, but if you were a Texans fan right now, and I, I as a previous fan of them, I know that there's not that many of them. You have to be excited about the future of this organization right now because everything is starting to click. You can see. You know, you you see the flashes of, oh shit! Like this is this is legit. This is real. So, I, I think while we have to give a shout out to uh, C.J. Stroud, I think D'Amico Ryan's is also equally deserving because he is doing a lot with this team that not a lot of people expected him to. 
Are you putting yeah, I mean, a future on the uh, on on the Texans right now? Maybe over the next five years or so to make it to a Super Bowl. I I mean anything can they happen. That right? conversation. I think I'd I'd rather say playoff contending team, <laughs> and I think that's probably a little bit more yeah, that's in weak the realm. Ass, though. Well, you send it. Texans win the Super Bowl in three years. There you go. Three years. All right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's I'm putting a, the that's me sending it, Scotty. I don't think, do that. I think, that's mean. I think we should do making it to the making it to the AFC title game is like a pseudo Super Bowl. I think that's an accomplishment in and of itself. So maybe we go. What are your? What's the realistic shot they have in making it to the AFC AFC championship? championship. Put an asterisk in your little phone note there, Scotty, and put nope. AFC championship because that equals a Super Bowl. Nope. I'm keeping I it the same. It, but hey, I, I, November 6, 2026, <laughs> I'm bringing the receipts. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All yeah. right, let's let's move over to the studs and duds. Alan, why don't you start us off with your stud of the week, my friend? Uh, my stud of the week is uh, a gentleman. I don't actually know his name. I would like to know his name. I'm sure if I, I'm sure if I took a second to look it up, but he is a man that's very comfortable with himself. <laughs> Uh, one that knows comfort to the nth degree, and it's the Eagles coach that, if you saw the clip online, Matt he's Leo getting knocked. Is, his name. is it Matt Leo? Matt Leo. Shout out Matt Leo, name. our thong of the I mean, our, our stud of the week. He's pushed over, he rolls, and you see this, what appears to be a bright red thong. Now, there's a little bit of debate on whether or not that was actually a thong. It definitely looks like a thong. The way it appeared, the way it like whale tailed up, I would assume it was. So he is my stud of the week, which is the comfort level to roll out there with a bunch of grown men like manhandling each other and just rock a thong. So shout out to him for supporting comfort. That, that's got a fantasy bet written all over it. Oh, like he yeah. lost his matchup that week or <laughs> lost the week before, and they said, well, guess he's wearing a Victoria's Secret lingerie to the game. Yeah. Step one is to wear it. Step two is to then have it accidentally show. show. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the worst part is you can lose like a, any of us could lose in fantasy football and make that bet. And we walk around in in lingerie for a day. But for it to get aired on national television accidentally is hysterical. And I love that as a stud of the week. I don't know if I would be able to do that. I don't know how girls wear that. Um, it makes me cringe. Just slight wedgie about. all day. Yeah. No, thanks. I'm out. But apparently Matt Leo loves it. So great. Shout out Matt Leo. Great stud of the week. Scotty, who'd you bring for your stud of the week, my friend? Yeah, mine is uh, Luke Musgrave and uh, by extension me. Because if you listen to our, (laughs) if you listen to You brought yourself as a stud this week. I'm very humble. So yeah, this is a rare occurrence. Um, No, but Luke Musgrave, uh, he was somebody that I put in my must starts last week, and uh, many people raised their eyebrows, and understandably so, because he's averaged like four targets a game uh, for the entire season. Uh, But this particular matchup worked out well. This defense that they face gives up the most targets to tight ends. Uh, They give up the, it was like the top five most points to tight ends. Uh, And so I said in the set of the week uh, microcast that, hey, um, this is kind of a shot in the dark, but if you're struggling at the tight end position at the time, I thought there was going to be like no tight ends who did anything this week. And that turned out to be wildly wrong, but Luke Musgrave did find the end zone. He put up 15 fantasy points. He was, he was the top 10 tight end on the week. So if you put your blind trust in the Leatherbrains team, uh, you got a usable tight end this week. So I was excited about that. 
Congratulations, Scotty. I think you. you deserve a uh, an ancillary are, stud of the slaps. Week. Are you gonna let? Are you gonna let us just start doing that? Like he, what? He gets to basically put himself as a pseudo stud of the week. Like, well, he, he he kind of he masked it a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, he's like, it's Luke Musgrave, but also kind of like me, also me. Yeah. Interesting. So we're uh, we're in the business of making predictions. You got to pat yourself on the back when you get it right. Otherwise, nobody knows if you did. That's mm, that's pr- fair enough. Fine. I. I but when you get it wrong, do you call yourself out? That's no, fine. Of course not. That would fine. be fine. Next week, me. That's fine. Welcome to Pre-emptive. all fantasy football analysts ever. <laughs> Preemptive stud of the week for me next week is going to be me. Just so you all know, I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> I think you out. should. You're my stud every week, uh, but not this week. Not not exactly right now. My stud of the week is Dare Unga. Ungabale. I butchered Perfect. that guy's Nailed name. It. I butchered it. Agumbawale. 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 He was cool, man. And if anybody doesn't know who this guy is, he is the backup running back for the Texans who filled in as their kicker. And it was super cool to see. He was uh, Kaim Fairbairn, the Texans' real kicker, was injured halfway through the game, so he didn't play the second half of the game. Uh, Dare Ungo... Alan, can you say it one more time? Agumbawale. Thank you. Uh, he... <laughs> He uh he actually kicked a field goal too. So he went out there and did a couple kickoffs, did a uh, kicked a field goal, made it, and I was a really impressed. A go ahead field goal. Yeah, like, a go ahead. Um, imagine yeah. the trust you got to put in this guy. <laughs> like, like oh, we need this to take the lead. Good luck. Yeah, I could not believe it. I was like, oh my god, it was like a fourth down, go ahead field goal, and he made it. I think it was like a thirty yarder or something. I was like, damn man, that's awesome. It was good. too. Yeah. No. He, did you see uh? Ryan smiled. D'Amico Ryan's his smile, like when he was watching it go through, yeah. like, "Oh my god, it worked." <laughs> would you <laughs> like, would you have the balls to do that, or would you just go for it? Like, honest to God, the coach. Yeah, yeah like think, if you were in think, if you were in D'Amico Ryan's shoes, I think most NFL teams now know. Like, I don't think that was by happenstance. They were just like, "Has anybody kicked before?" I they obviously knew because the Chiefs did that with Justin Reed, mm-hmm. and he's like, the, he's their safety, but he can kick and he can kick pretty well. So I think they've have guys identified i think most teams do that because you don't carry two kickers typically so i think yeah. there's always like you always kind of know through training camp but i think you never expect to have to actually do it and <laughs> well, pressures 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 the equalizer on many things and so for him to just step up and do that deserved stud oh easily i was you watching think, this uh, game with oh, God. no i was just gonna say i was watching this game with my mom and I'm I'm like hooting and hollering and I'm like this is fucking awesome and she's like what and I'm like that's not a kicker and she's like why is he kicking and I was like well their kicker's hurt and she's like they don't have another kicker and I'm like no it doesn't work like that like you don't mm-hmm. roster three fucking kickers in the NFL so mm-hmm. I uh I I was happy for him I think it was awesome Do you think that kickers all around the league are shaking in their boots a little bit like oh wait a minute anyone could do this job like they could just put anybody <laughs> in and and do it like especially like with the Chiefs example with Reed on imagine on kickoff like on kickoff right now you just got some some little you know 130 pound white kid that kicks the ball and then does nothing else because he's not going to be able to make a good tackle if you could put a defensive player in there who can kick it well like now you have an extra guy that can make a tackle like why why isn't that standard to try and find someone like that yeah just get rid of kickers have somebody that is not a kicker but they're your designated kicker and then just fill that other spot with like a backup quarterback or something the vikings probably should look into that step one get rid of kickers for fantasy football step two get rid of kickers in real football yeah (laughs) well (laughs) i'm just gonna go ahead and bring you guys my dud of the week i'll i'll flip the script here my dud of the week is lamar jackson because lamar jackson went on his instagram and posted something along the lines of he's sorry 
to all fantasy football players out there for letting them letting them down this week because he didn't do well for fantasy football. This man won an NFL game and then went on his Instagram profile and apologized to the scumbags such as ourselves for not performing in fantasy football. Dud of the week. Yeah, Easily. as he, he should he should apologize for that. Hey. He's a dud. He only put up how many points? <laughs> Ten? Nine? Uh, Pathetic. I don't even know if it was that. I think it was eight. Let me look. Mar Jackson put up. Oh, he put up eleven point four. So right. still not great. But mm. or my dud of the week, <laughs> Scotty, your dud of the week. Yeah, my dud of the week. Uh, if you are a uh, frequent user of social media, you might have seen this clip going around of Arthur Smith's son, who is I don't know, probably two or three years old, and he dressed up as Arthur Smith for Halloween. And so I, what I, who I presume to be Arthur Smith's wife is following this kid around and uh, he's making play calls. And he said, oh, this play call is an easy one. I'm going to give it to my favorite player, Bijan Robinson. And it's like, oh shit, this kid is already a better coach than Arthur Smith because he at least wants to give the ball to one of their best players. It blows my mind. Yikes. That's a bad look. That's a bad look for Arthur Smith. And it sounds like his son is already ready to coach an NFL team. Because we, we'll we talk about that, it when we talk we, about the We saw that tweet. I still don't know why they drafted him. Like, why I, are you I not? don't either. It's it's despicable. We'll we'll hold it for uh, <sighs> the Arthur Smith should be in prison conversation, which we'll have here in just a yes, moment. Sir? Alan, your dud of the week, my friend. Uh, my dud of the week is just officiating in general. Um, I watched a good <laughs> amount of football. All, the this, all of them, literally this whole weekend. Whether you watched college or you watched any pro football, it was just bad. It's just been bad this whole year. And some of them, it's not even like fifty-fifty calls that went against like a team I'm rooting for or had like a rooting interest in anything. It's really just like easy calls that are now just so complex. And they, I feel like we've just like completely just screwed ourselves with the reviews and everything else. Like a lot of the targeting calls, a lot of the on um roughing the passer calls they've just been bad bad. they're just all bad bad. you can find them you could probably find a handful from just sunday alone of just like bad calls you're like what how and so for me my dud of the week you probably just say dud of the year it's just been officiating i feel like it's so inconsistent i wouldn't even i don't even know how some of these guys play because i would you know wouldn't even know what to do half the time i agree it's just arbitrary like they're they're you know the nfl is obviously taking player safety into account more so now than ever before and as a result now you get all these arbitrary calls that it depends on you know if the ref blinked at the right time or not and what their opinion on the rule is itself well, <laughs> like, it's like not you even can't that. have rules that are based on the opinions of the people who are supposed to be enforcing the rules yeah if you watch the the sunday night game even like josh allen getting like this random weird like intentional grounding call like 20 minutes after <laughs> the play was, so was over stupid. i'm like you either see it or you don't, and move yeah. on. Like I'm, it's so dumb, so dumb. Well, the, and I think for from a fan's perspective, it makes it that much more frustrating to to sit here and say, "Yeah, the shit's scripted." Like obviously, I don't believe that that's true, but like, you can't tell me that regardless of if it's the Chiefs or the Bills or whoever's playing like that. And I, I'm going to use that Bills one as an example. You wait until after the play, and then you come together, and like you know that 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 call potentially ch- changes the entire game so to sit there and say definitively that you feel so strongly that you can call that play when realistically should it have been called probably not no so now you get in the conversation of well yeah it's rigged like that's what people are saying and while i don't think that's the case like it certainly strengthens that argument in my opinion a little bit yep yeah. yep which is frustrating but all right studs and duds check let's move over to 
the pastronaut himself. People are calling Joshua Dobbs the pastronaut because not only is he passing like a goddamn G, but he also worked for NASA, which is pretty cool. Joshua Dobbs, if anybody does, does not know the story, let me tell it very quickly. Joshua Dobbs was purchased from the Cardinals for a fifth-round pick. We played him for a good majority of our season, and then we traded him to the Vikings right before the deadline. Joshua Dobbs showed up to the Vikings headquarters Tuesday, okay? He was not slated to start this week. He was not slated to be a quarterback that was going to be played this week for the Vikings because Jaron Hall, the rookie quarterback that the Vikings selected, was slated to start. Midway through the first quarter, Jared Hall, Jaron Hall got a concussion, and they had no more quarterbacks. So Joshua Dobbs, who doesn't even know anybody on the Vikings team, he doesn't know their names, he doesn't know any of the play calls, he knows nothing, came into the game. His head coach was telling him the plays and telling him very quickly in between snaps These are what these people are running. These are the routes they're running, and these are your reads. He was literally telling him how to do it. Within a 30-second time frame, Joshua Dobbs went out there and beat the Falcons 31-28. to Absolutely incredible. I have never seen anything like that in the NFL before, and it was one of probably, honestly, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So I am so taken away by this entire storyline. I think it's awesome, and I could not be more impressed with Joshua Dobbs right now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And not to mention, he had some good games with the Cardinals too. Like, like he's he is the real deal when it comes to having a good backup quarterback that you can trust. Because you know the his recent games with the Cardinals weren't so good, but to start the season, you're like, oh shit! Like this guy's actually getting these weapons, the balls. You know what what few weapons they have. Um, and then going over there to Minnesota, I saw a video of a of a Vikings fan shaving his eyebrows uh, in solidarity with Joshua Dobbs, and <laughs> I think so that cool. says it all. Yeah, he's he's already won the hearts and minds of the fan base and the locker room. I was um it's going to be a flex. I was golfing. It was very nice here. Um so I was trying to watch it on my phone while we were golfing and it was tough to follow along what was happening. I didn't even know that somebody got hurt and I just saw Dobbs in. I was like, "Oh, damn, he's actually playing." I was like, "Man, this is not going to go well." And I was with a couple of Vikings fans and they were trying to keep up with the game and then it was like, "All right, they're losing. Here's where it ends. You know, there's no way he's going to be able to make him come back." And then it was like he's winning they won like what is happening so even if you weren't paying attention just like what was going on and i saw some clips of him like working with his line of like what his cadence is like here's what i sound like when i'm going to call when i'm going to call for the ball like yeah. very like he was very like rudimentary like baseline just working yeah. things there's doing it on the sidelines yeah he was literally on the sidelines practicing he'd never taken a snap from that center before he didn't even know all the names of all the linemen and he's like okay we're doing this and for him to come out and win like we talk about in this podcast we talk about any given sunday and we talk about how hard it is to win an nfl game this man came in with less than a week and beat the falcons 
which and- is its own conversational piece that we're going to have here in just a moment. But I also have to highlight this is for fantasy purposes, Cam Akers did tear his Achilles. So mm. this is the second time he's done this. I don't know where his, you know, I, I don't root for injury. None of us root for injury here, but I think this is probably the end of Cam Akers, if I was to guess. I mean, back-to-back Achilles injuries. Um and I think that if you're an Alexander Madison owner, you got to be a little like a, a spark of excitement. Obviously, we're not rooting for injury, but Alexander Madison was seeing competition from Cam Akers, and that has now been eliminated. So my question is, is if you do own Alexander Madison, do you breathe a little sigh of relief for fantasy purposes? I, I uh, mean, I am. I yeah, was worried definitely. about it for a while. Are you suggesting 100%. that, that uh, Madison purposefully tore cam Akers achilles is oh, that what we're saying we got a conspiracy he, pla- he planted the turf shark himself <laughs> he just cut dude that's my dud for next week or achilles never mind i already got it settled i'm the stud next week and then dud is achilles <laughs> done yeah there yeah. are a lot of achilles that have been just tearing left and right this year it sucks like i said i none of us root for injury and i really do feel bad for him but quick i don't question know. boys quick question for dobbs do we give him the geno smith award for this year the man who didn't write back yeah, I mean, I don't it's, know what people are saying about Dobbs, but beginning of the season, it felt like, I feel like he deserves our Leather Brains Geno Smith of the Year award. I think if I was to guess the trajectory of Joshua Dobbs' career moving forward, it's this. He will start somewhere for a team next year. He will be, I don't want to compare him to Ryan Fitzpatrick because Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably the best quarterback to ever play the game for every yeah. single NFL team. True. But I think Joshua Dobbs has certainly earned himself a starting job somewhere. And I'm not saying it's going to be a long-term solution, but like an ancillary fill in while a team tries to figure out what the hell their future is going to look mm-hmm. like. I think he could be that piece because he's not going to be expensive. He's certainly shown that he can play NFL football and he can do it pretty damn well. And he's also really smart. And that's something that like, it, obviously you have to be an athletic freak to play at this level, but his intelligence is really, I think what won them the game this week. So mm-hmm. I, I think he's proved that. And I think he does, he does deserve to start somewhere next year. And I think he will. I think his career reminds me a lot of Jacoby Brissett, where like a lot of teams would be very happy to have him as their starting quarterback, but not not the franchise quarterback, right? So I think he's going to be in the league for a long time. And you just look at this one game. You know, not only did he win the game, which is impressive enough, but he played well. I think he had one strip sack and one he took a safety, and that all happened like right when he came in, and he pretty much played flawlessly for two and a half quarters. Um, like it was impressive, not just because of the end result, but just play by play, watching him dissect the defense on an offense that he knows nothing about. Um, yeah, he deserves all the play, all the praise in the world. He definitely deserves some sort of award. Well, let's flip the script here. Arthur Smith, head coach for the Falcons. He should be in prison. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Arthur Smith is a fucking goob. And he How should do be these in guys prison. Get jobs. That's what I'm saying. I let me let me just. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna tell you the exact thing that happened on a on a first and goal, Alan. So get ready. Falcons have okay. the ball first and goal on the one yard line, and this is how their drive went. First play, false start. Second play, pass to Jonu Smith. Third play, a rush attempt by Jonu Smith, and then a rush attempt by Tyler Algier. What's missing there? Perhaps their first over their first round pick, maybe? The guy they no. drafted that should be there winning them games, maybe? A, dro- a dropped pass by Kyle Pitts was missing, but other than that, it looks pretty wow. much according to plan. It's it's Kyle <laughs> Pitts. Like that's I'm, you guys know that's, my feelings. That doesn't that. make that makes zero I wouldn't trust 
Arthur Smith with my Madden team, like if I handed him my controller, I'd be like, he's just going to fuck this up. I, I can't even trust him with a virtual team, let alone a real team. I'm, I'm but, just still very confused. What's crazy to me with this particular situation is, okay, you're, if you're not going to give the ball to Bajan, which they've already proven that they have no interest in doing that in the red zone. Like they're just, they don't want him taking contact by anybody ever, ever again. So you have Tyler Algier. He's a big bruising running back. You have a good offensive line. Why are you trying to run these end around with end arounds with your backup tight end instead of running Tyler Algier down their throat three times in a row if you need to? Like that's a touchdown, even if you get even if you don't give it to Bajan. If you just give it to your bruising running back and let him do what he does, like it's one yard. He will get that one yard <clears throat> nine times out of ten. It doesn't make Scotty, any sense. Scotty, you know what this reminds me of? Reminds me of like a, a really bad Andy Reid. Sometimes where you're like, <laughs> yeah, where he just, why are you giving the ball to Clyde? Why are you throwing it to Skymore? And this, yeah. this kind of feels like a, a goal to go situation I'd see from the Chiefs where it's like pass to, to Skymore, rushed yeah. by Clyde Edwards Alaire. <laughs> like, they're right. just playing on the hardest, Kadarius Tony. Yeah. They're playing in the hardest difficulty just because they want to see if they can succeed yeah. doing it, like yeah, making it like, just insanely hard for themselves. I wonder if Arthur Smith has like a futures bet where he took the under on um, Bijan's rushing to- <laughs> touchdown total and he's like hell bent on keeping it really low just in case. He's like, like, can't wait to go to Vegas, cash that one in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I just don't understand. I think Arthur Smith should probably. If Arthur Smith isn't on the hot seat right now, I don't know what the Falcons are doing. And here's the other thing that I saw, because we sent out a tweet last week where it was saying, like, which head coach is next to get fired after the Raiders head coach, and Arthur Smith was on that list, right? And a bunch of people came to his defense, and they were saying, he's, le- you know, he's they're winning their division. Why would you fire a head coach that's winning their division? I want, I'm going to read you out the division standings right now. The Panthers, one and seven. The Bucks, three and five. The Falcons, four and five. And the Saints, five and four. So the Saints now are winning the division, but they were not last week. This division is dog shit. So you can't sit there and say he's winning them a, div- a, a division here. He's he's the best thing that the, they can do. Like he, they're doing great. It's like no, this division is just so bad that somebody has to be winning it, and it's and, them. And again, too, like. One thing I keep saying, and I think it's important for us to constantly remind ourselves, if you look at this roster on paper outside of the quarterback position, they should win this division hands down. They have so many weapons. They have a good defense that's much improved from last season. They have a good offensive line. Like They should be winning this division relatively easily, as easily as things can happen in the NFL, and they are just pissing it away. I do just want to take one moment. Uh, We got a YouTube comment in. Uh, from Jaguars fan battle who says, Matt, <laughs> are you going to shave your mustache in solidarity with Arthur Smith? And the answer to that question is no, because oh, I huh. I represent the cool mustache. Arthur Smith had potential to be a cool mustache, but now he's ruining the mustache for the rest of us. So I, I disavow his mustache. Oh, my God. Did you yeah. just say that live? You disavow his mustache? Yeah. That's it's an embarrassment got. to all of us. We, we're a tight-knit community, and he has given us a bad name. <laughs> Wow. Damn it. Andy Reid also has a mustache. We're, we're cooking with grease. Yeah, yeah, be careful who you disavow now. No, Andy Reid is the president of the mustache. He's, he's the best thing that ever happened to us. Oh, God. Yeah, the last thing I want to talk about with Arthur Smith is like, <laughs> you look at this game. The Vikings won this game with a backup quarterback that just arrived on Tuesday that didn't know any of the players' names or any of the plays. No Justin Jefferson, no K.J. Osborne, no Cam Akers, and they still won. 
Like I, I just there, there's no excuse. Would you say it's more the Vikings won or more the Falcons lost? Falcons lost. When it's first <sighs> and goal on the one, I think. I, I was just gonna. Yeah, I agree. I also I was gonna say I think this also for those people that say those like we have juxtapositions here because we have C.J. Stroud that didn't do good on like the testing for quarterbacks. He's like, I'm not good with testing. I just play football. Then you have the complete other side where Joshua Dobbs probably aced it. He probably wrote the test the quarterbacks take. <laughs> and you could see what happens when you have to plug him in. So little A, little B. Uh, but I think it's interesting to see that juxtaposition this week where you have one quarterback that went off that didn't do testing well. And you had another one that's a genius that like obviously can come in and pick up any system really fast. So interesting little nugget from the weekend. Uh, from the noon windows, um, I, what's hilarious is I sent a, uh, tweet to the team beforehand that said it was a Deontay Johnson hadn't caught a touchdown pass from somebody that wasn't Ben Roethlisberger in like a few years and kind of unreal. And I think the community, I think Twitter was catching on and our boy Deontay Johnson finally got his touchdown catch. Finally. Ben Roethlisberger can find. We can take him off the mantle. Thank God. Uh, Pickett can be on there now for his touchdown pass. But Johnson also this week finally saw a little bit more traction. I know he's been on the shelf with the IR, but it's nice to see him back into the fold uh, from a fantasy perspective. Seven receptions, ninety yards, and a touchdown. Um, I think that was just cool. Also, just a wild stat that it was just Ben Roethlisberger that had <laughs> thrown him his last Disgusting. one. Like that seems unreal. It seems Old like one of those trunks. things like. Yeah, it's like uh, those like old history facts. That you're like, there's no way that's true. <laughs> that was absolutely true. I guess the, a few things I also want to take away from this game. One, Deontay Johnson, shout out. Two, Stroud now has more touchdown passes in his career than Pickett does. <laughs> I, uh, and we're halfway through Stroud's first season, which I know Pickett has had his ups and downs. Like, So my question to you guys, we just fantasy-wise, I think – Obviously, redrafted is what it is, but like from a dynasty perspective, are you just like, is anybody even holding out hope? Like, he's just kind of there now. Like, there's no You're way you're talking Pickett, right? Yeah, Pickett. There's no way Pickett is long term. You and I had anymore, this conversation right? a couple weeks ago where it was like, we as fans see it, and what do the coaches and what do what does the staff see that we don't? And I think we were even talking about Pickett, or he was a part of that conversation and, and when we were having it. And He's not the answer, I don't think. I think I think like very obviously we know that and I I don't know if the Steelers are coming to terms with that, but he's not it. He's not I, it. He just needs to stop looking like a fucking moron when he dresses himself for the games. He's he is out there wearing two <laughs> gloves and think. a half sleeve and a, like he <laughs> he looks like redneck Kirk Cousins out there that doesn't really know how to play football. Like he it's looks like Morgan Wallen. It, you can't wear all the like like Madden create a character accessories when you exactly suck at the game. Like say. you have to earn your way into that, and he is. It's just embarrassing. But you mentioned Deontay Johnson. I want to talk about George Pickens. We haven't we have a note here uh, that I think Alan you put on that Pickens. He's making these one handed catches, but he only saw two targets this game, and this is consistent going back to last season when Deontay Johnson's on the field. Pickens doesn't get a lot of targets. So the question is, okay, is this the fault of the quarterback or is this because 
you know, we know that Pickens is capable of making these circus catches. We see it all the time, but why does he have to make the circus catches? Is it because the balls thrown to him are bad? Or is it because he doesn't get a lot of separation, which means that when there are other receivers who are able to separate from the defenses, Pickens becomes kind of an afterthought. And I think it's probably a combination of both, but it's interesting to see that everyone wants to praise George Pickens for all of these athletic feats. But like, dude, you shouldn't have to make diving one-handed catches. You should be able to get separation on a good number of your routes. And I don't know if he's not doing that or if Kenny Pickett's just not getting the job done. Now it's going to make me sit there and watch Steelers games, which is something I'm not interested in doing. But I, you bring up a really good point, and I, I want to look more into that and just like from a visibility standpoint, sit there and watch him run his routes and see, is he getting separation? Is he able to do it? Because I think that's a valid point. And I don't watch yeah. Steelers games enough to know. <laughs> yeah, I don't hate myself. I think it is a valid point. I think it's a little bit of both, Scotty. I think also, you know, Tomlin, I don't know what this offense is doing because you very clearly have talent. You know, and Deontay got his, which he's super talented. And Pickens saw two targets. But then you also have, as a Warren owner, uh, I was wondering why he wasn't getting more touches. Mm. Warren was is aver- he averaged eight yards a carry last game. Eight. Eight yards a carry. And he only saw 11 carries compared to uh, Najee's 16. Which, when you g- dive into the numbers of what they were actually doing, like, he was averaging 4.3 yards per carry. Warren's averaging eight yards a carry, literally, literally double. And You're not going to you just hear. look at it and you say, "Can we just not get give him the ball more?" Like I am thoroughly confused. It's like they, they're also they went to the Arthur Smith School on like how not to use some of your best players, and they're like, "You know what, Pickens, Warren, we see you're really great, but we also don't want other teams to see you, so we don't potentially have to trade you. So we're just going to hide you, so nobody <laughs> else wants you, and then we'll go from there." That's like honestly what I feel they do. Steelers fans just- are going to go ahead, Scotty. Well, I was just going to say this 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 is eerily similar to the Tony Pollard conversation and we've seen now how that's turned out. You know, maybe there's something that these NFL coaches know that we don't know by watching the game that maybe the reason or part of the reason why Warren is so efficient with his touches is because they have that change of pace. And- And if Warren all of a sudden is getting 16 to 20 carries, maybe he loses a lot of that efficiency. That's exactly what we've seen with Tony Pollard is that he just all of a sudden is is performing at the exact same rate as Zeke did last year. And I wonder if that's part of the mindset, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Like when you're seeing such a stark contrast in efficiency, why would you not play the more efficient guy? I think there's got to be some underlying analytical reason to that. There is. It's because, and I know that Steelers fans are going to agree with me, it's because Matt Canada is a fucking idiot. <laughs> Their <laughs> offensive coordinator. Yeah. He is. He's bad, and he needs to go. And I don't think Mike Tomlin should go, because I do like Mike Tomlin as a head coach, and I think he is a good head coach. But I think his offensive coordinator is a goob, and he needs to go. And that's part of the problem, I think. I think that's why this offense is partially lackluster. I do think Kenny Pickett plays his fair share. I think a lot of these players do. I don't think Najee Harris is a good running back. I've said that before, and I think we're all in agreement there. Jalen Warren passes the eye test much better than, than Najee does. And, and that's something that... There's no statistics. I mean, obviously, there is some statistics that back it that we just talked about. But like, (laughs) as far as the eye test is concerned, there's not like a, well, statistically, the eye test, like it just, he looks better. The same thing that you could say for Clyde Edwards-Alaire versus Isaiah Pacheco. Like he looks better. And that's the case. Matt Canada is an idiot. And uh, that's what I think is really the underlying issue here is he wants to play Najee because Najee's probably banging his his mom or something. I don't know. Nice. Good for (laughs) Najee. Yeah. I mean, we've we've kind of talked shit on the Steelers for a while now, and I got to just take a moment to talk shit on my... my I got to look inward. I got to look wow. at my, my own problems wow. 
in my own house. I got to get it in order. Um, I, we got to talk about the Chiefs because they escaped with a win. And I say they escaped with a win after they went into halftime up three touchdowns and looking totally dominant. But I tell you, this team did everything that they possibly could from the players, you know, to, from the on-field play to after the after the whistles blow to the to the play calling. Like, holy shit, they did everything that they could to lose this game. It all started with Chris Jones. Um, you know, the, the, the Dolphins were driving uh, toward the end of the game, or, you know, I guess it was probably in the third quarter. Um, you know, they're down three touchdowns, but they're driving. The Chiefs defense makes a key stop, gets them to third and long, and then Chris Jones, on the third and long play, when it would have forced them to punt the ball, decides to get in a fist fight for some reason. Like, he's not a veteran who hasn't been in the league for a billion years. He just decides to to get this this penalty call to give them a first down. They go down and score. Um, then you have Miko Hardman, who now two games in a row has fucked up a punt return, where he fields a punt on like the two-yard line instead of letting it bounce into the end zone, which doesn't make any sense. That sets us up in bad field position, gives the gives the Dolphins the ball, they go down and score. Now it's a close game. The Chiefs are trying to secure the game. It's third and one. They're trying to run the clock down or at, at the very least force the Dolphins to burn their timeouts. And on third and one with Isaiah Pacheco driving down the field on this drive, they run a play action pass that Pat Mahomes has to throw out of bounds. So they don't get the first down. It stops the clock. They don't force the Dolphins to burn a timeout. It was the worst play call I have seen in forever. It felt like Scott Frost was coaching this team. Like they were doing oh, everything no. that they could to lose this game. Don't, so, don't insult Andy. Like that. <laughs> the the, the Chiefs Frost, won. Man. The Chiefs won the game, and I'm happy they escaped with the win. But this was the most angry I've ever been watching my team win. I was ready to just throw my hand through a wall. I was so okay. upset like watching it. I I hear you, Scotty. Um, end of the day, you just got to collect your wins and move on. You kind of win however you win. Andy Reid immediately after that went to the locker room and said, I'm sorry, O-line, I owe you one, which, you know, you knew that was his call to run that. But he does that all the time. Like, these some of these NFL coaches, and I love Andy Reid, but that's been his mo forever. Is that his clock management, even when he was back with the Eagles, was just absolute dog shit, and it's followed him forever. That's always been his thing, where he doesn't quite do the things necessary to just like end a game. He always tries to outsmart himself and be like, no playing on the hardest see- difficulty. Yeah, nobody's nobody's gonna suspect Pat Mahomes is gonna pass. Watch this one. You're like, no, dude, everybody's expecting that shit because you always do it. So like, how about you do the thing you don't always do? If you want to talk about looking inward, he needs to look inward and break some of his tendencies that his staff is currently forming. One of which is not getting their playmakers the ball that they should be enough. They didn't run it as much as they should have probably with Pacheco. I I think Pacheco is serviceable with this line. I think they I don't think. Pacheco's an amazing running back by any means, but I think this offensive line is worthy of creating multiple holes that even Pacheco, with as hard as he runs the ball or his feet hit the ground, can do. And then Rasheed Rice. I'm happy they gave him the ball, but he needs it more. They need to give him... He is he is their wide receiver one. That is their mm-hmm. wide receiver one, and they need to give him the ball. So there's multiple things, but win's a win. you got to move on. A lot of things happen. I have two I, questions. As somebody who is not a Chiefs fan... I feel like I say that every show, but there's always new people <laughs> listening. So, like, I just want to, I just want to, you know, blanket that. Is Matt Nagy part of the problem in your guys' mind, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs? It it's difficult to know what role he plays. You know, if you had asked me last year, 
um, you know, with Bienemy. Okay, what role does Bienemy play? I, I would say, okay, he obviously brings a lot of intangibles. He's he's obviously a great player coach. They respect him a lot. But as far as the play calling, I don't know how much of a role he plays in that. But then you see Bienemy leave and go turn this Washington offense into a usable offense and make Sam Howell look like a great quarterback. And you think, oh shit, he probably did play a pretty big role in Kansas City. And that makes me think, yeah, a lot of the problems that we're having right now are, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that it's just, you know, Matt Nagy hasn't been in this position for a little bit and it's going to take him a little bit to adjust. But it's definitely making an impact. And I think Isaiah Pacheco, that's a that's a great point that you bring up because it's now two weeks in a row where they didn't give him the ball as much as they should have. And one of the reasons is with this Chiefs offense, you know, coming off of a Super Bowl win, people expect this offense to look unbeatable. They expect Patrick Mahomes to look like the MVP on every play. And obviously they don't necessarily have the weapons to do that. What Pacheco does, in addition to being a, a, a good solid player, is bring that energy. And he he is a momentum shift of a player. So you want him to have big explosive plays. And you want to give him the opportunity to have those big explosive plays because it changes the dynamic of the way the game is perceived, right? You're not saying uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, got lucky and made something happen on third and long. You're saying Isaiah Pacheco is controlling this game. He is the engine of this offense. And that's the sort of thing that I think Eric Bieniemy you know, would recognize. He recognizes the intangibles on that offense, and Matt Nagy, I don't think, has that acumen. Well, I've always said Matt Nagy was a piece of shit. I said that when he was with the Bears, and then he came over and is now your guys' offensive coordinator, of course. I put out a graphic today on the Leather Brains account, and it showed statistics of Patrick Mahomes and Sam Howell. Um, and to be honest with you, they're pretty close. Like this season, obviously, we're not talking about Super Bowl wins or, or victories or, or what have you. But from a statistical standpoint, Sam Howell and Patrick Mahomes this season are very close to each other in completions, in yards passing, in touchdowns, and in interceptions. So I I do think is as a, a bipartisan party here in this entire Chiefs conversation – I think Eric Bieniemy certainly plays a part in this because he knows how to utilize the tools in his toolbox, and that is something that I think you you know we're seeing the Chiefs struggle this year in that that avenue where you guys have weapons if you want to call them that, and some of them like you have Kelsey, you have Rashi Rice, but your guys' wide receivers aren't incredible. But what are you doing with those wide receivers? How are you tooling them to benefit your offense? And I think that's just something Matt Nagy hasn't seen or hasn't done rather. My other question, I did say I had two questions. Did it feel good, gentlemen, to look across the sideline and hand Tyreek Hill that loss? Did it feel good? Because he was talking a lot of shit in pregame about how he was going to go off on the Chiefs and how it was going to be so great as his former alma mater. He was going to destroy him, and, and he didn't. He actually was pretty freaking I think- quiet. I think the sweetest thing was uh, one of the picks the Chiefs had got, they turned into Trent McDuffie, and then Trent McDuffie ripped Tyreek. That ended up being the scoop and score for six. So I think, if anything, that that one play was enough for me to say, like, okay, very rarely do you see in the NFL that both teams kind of won. I think Miami's happy they have Tyreek, and I think the Chiefs are happy where they are with where their defense is right now because I don't think this defense looks like that if they paid mm-hmm. Tyreek. I think we'd be like – their offense is so good, but they can't stop anybody. Yeah. You know, it's you always have to pick one in the NFL. Like, where are you going to invest your money? And I think very clearly the Chiefs are investing in two things that are winning them these close games and sometimes losing them the games like we saw against Denver. They against Denver, they they invested in their O line, they invested in their defense. 
those are two areas that can carry you to win these games ugly. And I think that's kind of where the Chiefs are. I don't agree with it necessarily. And I think it hinders the whatever you good want strategy from Mahomes. When you got but Patrick Mahomes. I agree. I think you look back to where the Patriots were back when I was say Tom Brady. You know, when Brady had that little dip where he didn't have all the he didn't have all the the show. He didn't have all those guys. You know, remember he got Gronk later in his career. He had you got Randy Moss after a bit. And so I think this is kind of the foundational set where the Chiefs kind of just are right now. And I think the the fan fodder over like how many touchdowns the so and so, how many interceptions the so and so, how many yards the so and so. I think it's fine, but I think you go to the win loss column and you're like, okay, whatever they're doing is somewhat working for all the frustrations. It's like you've beaten the Jaguars, you've beaten the Dolphins, you're in first, you have all this to look for, and you still have room to grow. I think a lot of teams would kill for that right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, yeah, it feels good. Okay. Yeah, that, nobody answered my question, so I appreciate well, I, you. I will just say I respect the hell out of out of Tyreek Hill as a player. Uh, I think he's a lot of fun to watch, and I think when he was talking shit on the Chiefs, you could tell it was almost like jovial. Like it's not like he hates Kansas yeah. City, and you could saw yeah. you saw the way he acted after the game, where he's you know hugging Mahomes and Kelsey. Like there's a lot of respect there. Um, so no hard feelings, but I'm glad uh, we stripped him for the the difference making TD. Yeah, I would be too. I uh, It was a close game. I was rooting for the Dolphins, and I said that, and now I will convert back to a Chiefs fan for the rest of the season because I, there's nobody on their schedule that I'm mm. uh, I'm hating anymore. Well, we just spent a lot of time talking about one great quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, but I don't think enough people are talking enough about another great quarterback that we're seeing make an emergence. And we mentioned him earlier, uh, but we're not giving the Ravens and Lamar Jackson enough credit. Uh this game that they played this week was an absolute routing. Um, you know, I don't think anyone really expected it to be that close of a game, given how well the Ravens are playing and all the issues that the Rams are going through. But uh, Lamar only threw five incompletions. Uh, the Ravens had over 500 yards of total offense and 300 yards on the ground. Um, that's ridiculous. Their defense held uh, the Rams to 151 total yards. And their defense leads the league in sacks. They got four more this week. This Rams team is coming together really, really well. Or I'm sorry, this Ravens team is coming together really, really well. They are. I, I was. I, I, I've been saying. I've said this all season long. I have met me personally. I and understand. I am not uh, a coach, or uh, I'm a fantasy analyst that likes to talk NFL football. He has shown to me what I have not seen in him previously, and I'm talking about Lamar Jackson. He's like he's he's getting it done, and he's throwing the ball pretty damn well. He's finding ways to win, and that's something that I think he struggled with the last couple years. I think part of it's probably his, his new offensive coordinator is certainly helping that, as well as getting him some offensive pieces to help him because he's that's been another struggle for him. So I, I'm I'm excited for the Ravens, and I think that they are a legit Super Bowl. You know, I, I think they're a contender for sure. Do I think that they go all the way? Probably not, but any given Sunday. And I think that they're certainly they should be in the conversation because they are playing pretty damn good football. The Seahawks, I mean, the Seahawks are five and three. They're no slouch. Mm-hmm. They're a good team. I'm not gonna say they're a great team, but they're they're a pretty damn good team. So to come in there and beat them thirty seven to three, that's not a joke. Mm. Thank you for correcting me. I realize now I was saying the Rams this whole time. You were. I was very confused. I was like, I was are, too. Yeah, I was very lost. Teams. You guys you got interrupt me and tell me I'm an idiot. No, it's okay. I it's just fine. like you're the stud of the week. I can't correct you. Yeah. Do you think? 
do you think are the Ravens? I know we could look at uh, very obviously the record, but like, do you feel like the Ravens are the team to beat right now in the AFC? Just right now, not like projecting out, not like where teams are trending, but just like right now, are they the best team in the AFC? No, but I think they're they're in the conversation. I mean, there's a lot. AFC. Who do you think is the best team in the AFC? right now i think the they're, they're right up there i think i think the ravens are it it would be i would not blame anyone for saying definitively that they are the team to be right now i'm gonna say the Bengals. haven't seen i'm gonna it say the Bengals. yet i yeah but uh, we we've seen it before in that off like that uh, the that team hasn't changed much it's still got to be the Bengals for me look the chiefs are always the chiefs i mean that's that's I wrote them off last year. Shame on me. And I, I, I told myself I wasn't going to make that same mistake. Obviously, the Chiefs are freaking good. There's and and, but you look at this team on paper, and we had the same conversation last year when the Chiefs Eagles were playing against each other in the Super Bowl. On paper, the Chiefs aren't good, but the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, they have Andy Reid, and they figure out ways to win. But if I were to just look at a personnel standpoint, I think it's it might still be the Bengals for me. But there's the Ravens are. F- we'll find out in two weeks. Yeah, we will. Thursday night football, Bengals Ravens. That's gonna be fun. Ooh, we'll find. That's out. gonna be we'll really fun. We'll find out very very quickly where these two teams are and how they both look against each other. Because I would think, like right now, the Ravens. You know, for all we give like hemming hawing about these offenses, like the Bengals being back or Joe Burrow being back, like you know they they put up thirty on San Francisco, which I think is a benchmark. Before that, they put up like seventeen points. They put up what twenty one. 24 the other like last night so it's like okay then you look at the ravens 38 on the lions 31 on the cardinals 37 on the seahawks and you look at like they're doing it the way they want to do it too like they are taking what they want and their defense is playing solid and so for me i think it is the ravens right now i think they just are playing so well but that's why I said right now because I think if you project it out, I think the Bengals. I think the Bengals will. Yeah, okay, will that's fair. Sneak I, in and I got I got too so. far ahead of myself and and was okay. looking at like end of year. So. I agree with you. End of year. I agree with you. Well, yeah. let's let's let's. I'm gonna skip a little bit on the show notes here because we're talking about the Bengals. So let's talk about the Bengals. Uh, Joe Burrow threw for 350 yards, two touchdowns. Higgins led the wide receiver room with eight receptions, 110 yards. Um, so my question is. First of all, are we back on the Bengals as a team, and are we back on them as a fantasy uh, asset? But I I want you to consider, you know, obviously the Bengals started the season slow. Um, They played a good game last week, and then they came out and got the win this week. But they got the win this week against a Bills team that is completely and totally dilapidated on the defensive side of the ball. So we say, oh, Joe Burrow threw for 350 yards and two touchdowns. That's pretty good. But then you look at the the, the Bills, and they're missing uh, uh, Tredavious White, uh, who's a cornerback. They're missing Matt Milano, linebacker. They're missing Daquan Jones, defensive tackle. They're missing Kier Elam, cornerback. They're missing Terrell uh, uh, Bernard, linebacker. Micah Hyde left the game early. He's a safety. Uh, Christian Benford, cornerback, left the game early. A.J. Klein, linebacker. He just signed with the Bills. Immediately gets hurt. He's out. Bale Inspector, linebacker, IR. Like, they are missing everyone on this defensive roster. You ready? Yeah. Choo-choo. Get on the damn train, baby, because the Bengals are back. Yeah, I, yeah, so I get it. I, I get I get the fact that the the Bills have a, a injured defense that has kind of been their mantra a lot of the year. Joe Burrow's back. That was the problem. We knew that was the problem. It, it was his calf. He looks healthy. 
He looks good. He's making plays. And we say it, any given Sunday, it is hard to get a win in the NFL. And to come in and beat the Bills is not an easy thing to do because the Bills, regardless of if they have all their starters or not, are still a damn good team. And yes, when they're missing half their defense, I completely understand the, <laughs> the, the argument that you're making there. But my point being is they look good. They look healthy. Joe Burrow in particular yep. looks healthy. And that to me yep. was what I wanted to see. I said going into this game, I will be back in the Bengals train, even if they lose this game, as long as they play a competitive game and look complete, and they did, obviously they won, so then I'm back in, and that's that's where I'm at, because the Bills are no slouch, and the Bengals are, they, they always kind of start off a little slow, and then they figure it out, and here we are, and so I'm back in on the Bengals, and I think that they're back. Two weeks ago, if I said, the, the Bengals have the 49ers and the Bills, what do you think? What's their? Are they going to split those games? Are they, are they more more likely to win both, split the games, or lose both? I think we both would have been like they're more likely to split or lose both. Agreed. And I think after those two games, it's easy to say like, well, this team's like this and this team's like that. It's like you know what? Like th- those are two of probably their hardest games they're going to play this year, and they won them both. And they looked pretty. It was pretty convincing. The score at the end doesn't look so convincing against the Bills. It looks like they just won by one score, but. That Bill score came late. The Bengals were in control the whole time. Joe Burrow was extending drives. He was limiting the opportunities for Josh Allen. I think the Bills had the ball for like eight minutes in the first half. And Diggs is very outwardly complaining that he's not even breaking a sweat. And it's like, eesh, yikes. And I think this is more on the Bills. I think this more, I think this is as much as the Bengals are back. I'm more concerned for the Bills in this more just because they're, they're, they're trending. We're seeing something that's like, oof, like I'm not quite so sure they don't have some big, big issues. And there are a couple blown calls away from refs from, you know, being well under 500. And it's just, it's a, they need to figure some things out. Injuries are not an excuse. Every team has them. You know, at some point you have to figure it out or change the way you play. And so I think, I think you, I think you got to, I'm more concerned with the Bills following that more so. And, and obviously the Bengals did what they had to do, but. So I was talking to a a friend of ours who is a big Bills fan, um, and it was right before the game started. And I said, "Are are you you know worried about this game? You nervous?" And he said, "I've written off the the season." He's like, "Our offense is too inconsistent. You know, Josh Allen either looks unbeatable or he looks like he is hell bent on not winning any game ever." And our defense is completely destroyed. Like we we've got guys in there who wouldn't see the field on any other team that are playing every snap for us on defense. He's like, I've written off the season. So my question is, are we are we writing off the bill? Are they still in a position now where they can make a real run? Or is it like oh. this is over? Yeah, no. I mean they're still leading the division. Like I I understand where that friend is coming from. I guess they're not leading the division. They're third in the they're division. Not. They're third uh, currently. Yeah. The Jets to play, but sure. I said this. I, I which is crazy. I had Bills as third. In our preseason conversations, I don't know if you guys remember, but I had Jets, Dolphins, Bills, Patriots. And while the Jets and the Dolphins, I mean, obviously that was before the Aaron Rodgers injury, but I don't think the Bills are in a position to win right now. I really don't. I But I also, they're kind of like the Chiefs. They're like Chiefs light, okay? Because you can't write them off. The Bills are a good team. The AFC right. East is the hardest division in the NFL right now. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. Like, it's, it is a very difficult division to win. All those teams are pretty damn good aside from the Patriots. So like, I don't know. I, 
they're the Bills are a juggernaut. They have been a juggernaut the last couple of years, and I think as as long as Josh Allen is in there, he's one of those players who you you can never count him out. And that's how I look at him. But I do think that they're not the best team in that division. Quick question then. Quick question for you. Do you think okay. the Bills are more likely to make the playoffs or miss the playoffs at this point? Would you say you got a hundred dollars and you're like, okay, which way you're gonna lean? Miss or make? They're gonna make. I think they will. I think that they're too ta- they have too much talent on that team not to, I guess is where I'm at. So maybe it's a wild card spot. I don't know, but I think that they will be in the playoffs. Now whether they make it all the way, obviously, is a totally separate conversation, but I, I think they know, go to the dude. playoffs. They've got, you know, the the they've got the Jets, obviously good defense, so we'll see how that game turns out, but they've got the Eagles, they've got the Chiefs, they've got the Cowboys and they've got the Dolphins still all left to play and the Chargers throw that in there too. Eh, the Chargers aren't Chargers. Yeah, I mean, I mean look, think about this. Think about this late into the season because we talked about it. They got 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 games left to play. So they got 8 games and he just said they got Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Dolphins. Like, I don't know, man. It's going to be tough. Um, I think the Bills can do it, though. Like, I think they could definitely get that wild card spot. I think it's just from the expectations of this team, this Bills team over the last two years is trending from one of being like Super Bowl contender to now we're sitting here like, do you think they can make the wild card? I don't think (laughs) they're going to make the wild card. I don't know. It's going to be tough. I don't even know anymore because I'm looking at both the Jets and the Dolphins end of season schedule here. And... They both have very favorable. Like the Jets have the Falcons, the Texans, the Patriots, the Commanders, Raiders, Chargers. The Dolphins have Raiders, Commanders, Titans. Yeah, yeah the Dolphins like have next, a pretty tough one too. Their their last three are going to be tough because they get Cowboys, Ravens, Bills. I think that Dolphins Bills game at the end of the season. Could, could pretend, determine like, who I, goes I, in. I bet. Oh, yeah, I think sick. it may be for the division. Awesome. I think. That January seven game could just be for the division at that point. That's what I'm be. rooting for now. Yeah, that I don't know. Cool. I don't think they make it. I there is a very real possibility that they don't. But I also wouldn't be surprised. They got to get healthy. They got to get healthy. They got to find a way to get healthy. And that's all it is. <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah. I, uh, just one little nugget here that I uh, I brought up last year too, but I always think it's funny that the uh, the Raiders have continued the streak of winning after they fire their head coach mid season. Um, so the, the stats on this are kind of wild. So teams who fire their head coach go into their next game and they win about 50% of the time, which doesn't seem crazy, obviously, but on average, before those teams fire their head coach, they only win 26% of the time. So the reason I bring this up is because this is a hack in the matrix, right? Where gambling is all always hit and miss, but this has been pretty consistent. So if you're looking to throw a little bit of money on a game every now and again, maybe wait till a head coach gets fired and see what their matchup is because the odds there seem to be a little bit better than anywhere else in football. So I just thought that was funny. I always want to bring that up. Just dump a thousand dollars on on the Raiders. As soon as Brandon Staley gets fired, dump a thousand dollars on the Chargers to win. Chargers probably won't ever lose again once Brandon Staley's gone. Brandy, yeah, could be. oh Brandy, Brandy Staley, Brandy Staley. <laughs> um, I did. I did also want to also plug somebody who catches a lot of flack, and it rhymes with flack. His name is Dak. Threw for nice. three seventy four. You're welcome. I just did it off the top of my head. That's not God, even written in the show notes. You're a genius. Three seventy four. Three touchdowns. Uh, it was a close game. Both teams at the end. I don't know, did you guys watch the very end of this? Because it was like yep. they were both trying to give it away by doing mm-hmm. just like very stupid things. And the one thing that it the one thing that stood out to me is that even with the stats, 
even with some of the things, Dak still just does a few things that you're like, God damn it. Like if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm like, can you, can you just please not do a few of these things? And I, I wrote a few of them down and uh, one I very obviously was like, not him. I know he was trying to go out, but it was just like stepping out on the two point try, like having the, the body control to like, just make that happen. Um, he took some bad sacks late. He was just like locking onto people. Didn't seem to have like a good read. Didn't have, seem to have a good read of the defense was just like playing too fast, took a sack. And then toward, and then on, even on their last drive, he was, targeting Tolbert late wasn't feeding CD wasn't just giving his guy a chance and I think um on even on the broadcast they said why don't you just give it to your best players why aren't you just like trusting your best players to make a play and I think if you want to look at we talked about the Bengals a very juxtaposition of like who how these quarterbacks operate Burrow gives his guys a chance to make a play he'll throw it up there he knows he has talent there to go make a play. And Eagles cornerbacks were dropping like flies on that last drive. Like that was the opportunity to give it to CD, go get a win, and make it happen for your team. And like he just, he's like almost there in that elite discussion. But it's like these just weird, dumb things I don't that think he'll he's do. Good. That you're like, I don't think I, he's good. I really I, don't. And you I look struggle. at this. I go up and down. No, because like, the stats is, tell is, a story, but they don't tell the full story. And you look at the stat line and you're like, that's pretty good. But he has never been able to get it done in the, the times that matter most. That has been Dak Prescott's entire mantra his entire career. I don't think Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. I don't. I've been, say, I've been on this pedestal for a while now. We assumed that this offense was going to struggle without their offensive coordinator there, and that has been the case. I also think it's because Dak Prescott is just not a good quarterback. I was actually think, I was just kind of scrolling around here and looking at this. Let's just play a very quick game. I love playing games with you boys. So let's play one. Let's say Patrick Mahomes doesn't exist. And you have to choose. I know. I know. (laughs) It's a terrible game already. All right. Would you rather have Dak Prescott as a quarterback for your franchise or Jared Goff? I think they're pretty similar. I mean, if if you're going to just I'm going to bring pretty similar guys to the table here. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I think if you look at the uh, resume, obviously Jared Goff has has a little bit more of the finishing the season. Well, it depends on the season. Um, yeah, I would take Goff probably though. Okay, let's do. Fuck, this is good podcasting. Yeah, I know this is great. This is great. <laughs> uh, I was gonna. Did we win the this game? What the people want? <laughs> <laughs> Did we uh, win the game? Sam Howell or Dak Prescott? Oh, Dak. Dak. Really? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Dak's kind of, you have to remember, he had like a pretty traumatic injury and mm-hmm. he's kind of aged. But if you look at the begin, like his first few years, Dak, like if I can get that Dak, I would take that Dak. I, Gino I Smith think, or Dak? Um, I would Dak. still take Dak. He's got okay. the higher ceiling. Kyler Murray or Dak? Oh, I do not want Kyler Murray anywhere near my no, organization. I don't want, no. What? Kyler Murray is not tall enough to play quarterback for <laughs> what? me. Come on, guys. Shit. Yeah, uh, not interesting. Not tall enough to ride that ride, huh? Well, mm-hmm. okay. I, I just I, I don't think Dak's good. I think the the Cowboys are eventually going to realize that. I think it's going to take them time to realize that. But this is this is like a this is one of those things where we say that we see it before the coaches do. I'm seeing it before the people do. I don't think Dak Prescott's good. And if I need to die on that mountain, I'll die on it. I don't think he's good. 67. He's a 67% win percentage as a starter. I mean, in the NFL, that's not awful. 
And I How think many, most people agree with you, Hunter. I, I, I think I think the hatred for Dak far outweighs people who support him. I probably even within their own franchise. I think their fan base is sick of Dak. Um, but ultimately, you know, he's he's the kind of guy who is going to make some dumb decisions, cost you some games. But as like in totality, he's not a bad quarterback. He's not someone that you necessarily want as your franchise guy. But he's not someone that I don't think is going to tank you. Uh, you know, every season. I, so, I, but here, real quick, slaps by way of comparison. Okay, Dak is sixty-six and thirty-eight as a starter. Jared Goff is sixty and forty-seven as a starter. As much as we say winning isn't a quarterback stat, I think very much so. You say that. <laughs> I don't think it's. A, I don't think winning is a quarterback stat. But team well, you're, just, you're using it as an argumentative piece here that I don't well, agree I was, with. You, well, you were you were saying like from if I had a. Would you rather win more games or lose more games? That's really all we have to go off of sometimes. But you think the Lions are a better team this year than the Cowboys? Do I? Yeah. I want to say no, just because I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> Look, I am not a Lions fan. I'm just rooting for the Lions. No, I think that seems like the same thing. The, yeah. the just this year, I did it with the Rams, and now that they've won their Super Bowl, I can hate them because they're in my division, and I do hate them. But I do love Sean McVay. But I fucking hate the Rams. So. I have my teams that I, I I cheer on because I want to see them succeed before then I can I can officially write them off and throw them in the dumpster. And that was the Rams sure. one year, and that is the Lions this year. But are the Lions, uh, honestly, are the Lions better than the Cowboys, yes or no? Find out on December 30th. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say they're a, overall, I'm going to say they're a better team. Okay. I and think I think it's it's, it may not be a Who's sum there? of their parts. The huh? Cowboys? The Lions. Alliance. Oh, okay. I think as a sum of their parts, out. I think together, I think I would much rather play the Cowboys if I had to go win a game than go play the Lions. Okay. I had to win a game. That's fine. I'll take it. We jumped around a little bit. So for anybody watching the show live, I appreciate your guys' uh, viewership and support, but we uh, we kind of jumped around. So the we have a little ticker that shows what's up next. It's a little wrong, but we're going to correct it right now and go to the Brain Busters. First question comes from Jaguars fan battle trying to find the question here would another quarterback do better in the Matt Canada offense I'm gonna say no I think Matt Canada is a scumbag piece of shit I think two things can be true at once where Matt Canada obviously should probably be fired but also Kenny Pickett is not looking good you put Patrick Mahomes in that offense and they might not win a Super Bowl but it's gonna look a hell of a lot better than Kenny Pickett so yeah there's a lot of room for growth on both sides should not like, Canada be fired? Yes or no? Yeah. I don't root for people to lose their jobs. I know. But I think they could hire somebody better. Frustrates me. Okay, <laughs> I think so. he's probably made enough money. He's made enough money to, to be yeah. okay. He can never work again and be just fine. Well off. I hope his family's well off and they're okay and they're happy and they live peacefully. I think they probably are. I'd fire him. Me too. I don't I care about say something else. Oh, I'd the other f word. I'd the other f word. Uh, that's the only question we got. Appreciate it. If uh, if you guys have any other questions, sneak them in, and we'll get them in at the very end of the show. Here, go over to YouTube, submit them. Uh, while we are still here, we're gonna do the waiver wires very quickly. So there's just a couple candidates. This is fantasy football. Welcome to the show. He is back. He's back, oh, guys. Kyler Murray is back. And would this be a Leatherbrains podcast if a Cardinals player was not on the waiver wire targets this week? This is the third week in a row I have told you to go pick up Kyler Murray. And this is probably the last time I'm going to tell you to because after this week, he will be rostered. He's currently 60% rostered and one of the on one of the worst NFL teams 
But before his injury, he was a top 10 quarterback. I feel like I could just hit the little recorder button because I say it every week. He was a top 10 fantasy quarterback before his injury. He is coming back and will be playing. I can't guarantee you that he will be as good as he was before his injury. But I think he's worth benching on your roster, especially given all the quarterback injuries recently. He's somebody I would be grabbing and rostering and seeing what you got in him. I would also say, just to note, I new Call of Duty comes out this Friday. Oh, Dead. God. He's fucked. <laughs> new Call of Duty so releases. On I the think 10th. Jonathan Gannon, the head coach for the Cardinals, playing this on purpose because he's like, you get to choose right here and right now. Because like, he's kind of been teasing like Kyler Murray's yeah. going to come back. And he literally chose this time to give Kyler Murray an option, football or Call of Duty. And he's going to like... If you're Kyler Murray, would you want to do over and get blow your ACL out like last week? That way you could have all this. Yo, he, you could just play. I guarantee like, he, did you it he kind would. Of backwards. Like, yeah, he, he really did a little. This one he did a little wrong. So you I think, mean, this is Kyler's doing yeah. it on max difficulty, new Call of Duty, and he has to come back from an ACL. So few things. You think Gannon did this on purpose to hedge his bets and be like, all right, if he sucks, we know why he sucked. It's not my fault. He just he sucks because <laughs> he's, he's distracted. Yeah, he's is just anybody, is he even like playing Call of Duty? I haven't played Call of Duty in forever. As somebody who used to play Call of Duty a ton when I was younger, that game is terrible. And I don't and know I if anybody's... Play. What's that? We still play. We still play. You still Warzone. play? Mm-hmm. I, I just can't anymore. I got, it got too old. But obviously some people are playing it. And, and we also still play Halo, so that shows you uh, where we're Halo at. Is oh, Halo is amazing. Yeah, Halo's great. You, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to say anything bad about Halo. But... I, what I realistically what I think with Kyler Murray is I think that they're kind of trying and by they I mean the Cardinals are trying to see what the future is of this organization because they have they've like verbally came out and said like we're not opposed to trading Kyler Murray so it's it's I think it's going to kind of be a showcase of like look what you could have if you buy this guy um, or it's going to be damn we might as well keep him around he looks as good as he used to and I think that's kind of like playing him this late in the season that's kind of my mentality I don't know if that's accurate but that's just kind of me reading into it and how I perceive it so I don't know but I would go get him for fantasy because if he is a semblance of what he was before his injury he's going to be very usable I just hope he wears the crop top practice jersey again that's oh, cool me too looking like he's in the longest yard mm. uh joshua dobbs is the other quarterback worth mentioning of course we talked about the pastronaut a lot at the beginning of the episode but he uh he's a top 10 quarterback right now he is qb9 on the year we tried to tell everybody in preseason we said you need to add this guy because he's a top 10 quarterback and nobody's really listening to us which is very sad and frustrating but he's 20 percent rostered right now I think after his performances last week, he's certainly worth a starting conversation. So I would go get him and start him. And those are the two quarterbacks I have brought this week. Do you think uh, for sure, like, you think they have no choice in Minnesota but to start Dobbs forever, like right now, instead oh, of for the rest of the season? For sure. Yeah, you have, would to, yeah. Be. you have to. I think he was going to get started anyway once he got familiar with the playbook. So it just sped think- things up. I think if nothing else, you have to for that one fan that shaved off his eyebrows. I think you, you can't <laughs> Imagine do how that. Awesome. Have that's him shave so cool. off his eyebrows and then not start Dobbs anymore. I think that's just a terrible look as a franchise. I think you kind of have that's to. True. You're committed yeah, now. That's bad news. That's true. Scotty, did you want to bring your waiver wire guy? Yeah, I mean, it's it's nothing special. Obviously, everyone who watched football this weekend knows Keaton Mitchell, uh, uh, Ravens running back, who put up 138 yards on nine carries. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere. He's their rookie. He's fast. 
uh, able to make a lot of big plays. He's only rostered in 7% of leagues right now, and I'm guessing those are real deep uh, leagues that he was just sitting on the bench on. But he's a high upside waiver guy. If he if he comes out and you know is efficient with a few touches, they're going to have to play him more because obviously losing J.K. Dobbins, they're trying to find a replacement for the running game there. And he, through one game, seems like, hey, he might be that guy. So he's worth picking up and stashing on your bench and just hoping it pans out well, but nothing too exciting. Okay, last thing, and then we're going to get the hell out of here. Monday Night Football predictions. The game starts in exactly an hour from now. Chargers versus the Jets. For anybody that's listening in tomorrow's podcast, of course, you know the answer, but we do not. So who do you guys have winning this one? We'll start with you, Alan. Uh, I'm going to go with the Jets, mainly because I think Herbert in that offense struggles against really good defenses, and their defense is not very good. So if they start giving up a lot of points and they're forced to throw, I think that plays right into what the Jets want to do defensively. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Jets. Um, I don't know. I, go against I think the grain. I'm, I'm going to say Chargers Hell yeah. out of out of hope because they're the much more fantasy-relevant team, and I want all our fantasy uh, folks to be excited at the end of this game. So I hope that Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and uh, QJ, I hope they all have huge games and they blow the Jets out by 50 points. No, I think that'd be really cool for fantasy, but I'm going to take the Jets here because I don't think that... (laughs) You really baited me into that one. Yeah, no, I definitely (laughs) did, and I'm glad you took it. But uh, I think the Jets are going to win this one. But hey... I do hope that there's a lot of fantasy production on other Chargers because it's been really sad, especially for Quentin Johnston because I'm, I was really excited about him going into the season and it's been really sad so far. So yeah, gentlemen, that's it. That's all the time we got. If you guys are watching us or listening on whatever podcast platform you're on, if you could just do a huge favor, hit the subscribe button. It means the world, man. I mean, we are a small little podcast that is growing tremendously, but uh, we we do appreciate your guys' continued support as uh, as we go through this journey. It's been fun, and we'll do it again on Wednesday with Yeti. So and shout out to Jaguars fan battle. Very, uh, very involved in the episode. Appreciate you listening, brother. Amen, man. All right, let's get out of here. Gentlemen, we are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.